0: On April 30, 1975, the North Vietnamese Army took over Saigon after the South Vietnamese president surrendered in order to avoid further conflict. The Vietnam War and its effects left many Vietnamese citizens facing a difficult decision. Stay in their politically unstable country or risk everything to leave. From 1975 to the early 1990s, more than 2 million refugees fled Vietnam by boat and ship. They have become known as the boat people of Vietnam. Christine Staley, currently an Assistant Inspector General for Audit at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, is one of the boat people of Vietnam and has an incredible story about her journey that brought her here. This is part one of her courageous story. Welcome to GeoInteresting. So first I want to say thank you for sitting down and and agreeing to share your story with us. This is my first time
1: sharing my story publicly, so I'm excited about it, but it's
0: understand it's very emotional for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. We're honored to be able to talk to you yeah. about it. Thank you. Um, I'm, I was hoping we could start at kind of the beginning of your journey, and mm-hmm. what was it like when your mother made the decision to take her family in, and flee Vietnam? So we lost South Vietnam
1: in April 30th, 1975. And um, we spent five years with the communists. And during those five years, we worked really hard. My parents, and I was uh, 14 when we lost South Vietnam. Uh, We worked really hard trying to find a way to escape the country. But you have to realize that it's really difficult. You don't know who to trust because there's a lot of people who try to escape and fail because you pay money or you pay gold to the wrong person. So it took us a, a long time, but we knew from the very beginning that there's no way for us to stay. Um, we lost freedom completely. And because they just took over, the Communists took over South Vietnam, they tightened the control really, really, really tight to make sure there's no turnover from the previous government. And um, it's so many different levels of controlling from, from your personal life to even, for me as a student in the school, and so um, I was threatened many times to be put in jail because wow. I was not active enough um, with the new government and because my um, the background of my family, that they said, um, assuming that you're guilty uh, when, when they see you. I couldn't apply. I finished high school in Vietnam. Uh, I could not apply for college because the application went back three generations to of your family to mm-hmm. see you whether you did anything that against the communist government. So mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't bother to apply because there's no way I passed the application wow. part um, to be able to accept into college. Mm-hmm. I had no future there. I have no freedom there,
0: the entire country. So we knew that we have to escape. So when you left Vietnam, you didn't come straight to the United States, correct? No. Um, so I spent seven and a half months in the refugee
1: camp, but um, before we even get to the camp, it was the journey, how to get there. Yeah. My escape is another story wow. um, that I remember one day, I came home and um, my two brothers disappeared. Remember, remember there's six of us and I'm the mm-hmm. oldest one. Um, my two brothers disappeared, they're not home. And so we're like, mom, dad, where are my brothers? And they were like, well, we can't tell you. Just go to bed like normal. And so I went to bed. I'm just like, what's going on? Um, and then my mom woke me up at midnight, and she said, you are leaving the house with this man, you and your sister, at midnight. Just go with him. Don't talk to him. You're not allowed to say anything to him. Just go. And I was like, what's going on? She said, we found a source for you, for us all to escape. So just go. So we left my sister and I left the house at midnight. We followed him down to the other side of, of town and he dropped us off as a stranger's house. There's a couple of women there. And so they just took us in, they're very, you know, pleasant, comforting and said, Don't be scared, just stay here with us and somebody would come and pick you up at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. So we just the two of us just sat there, we were so scared. My words... I was 18. My sister was 16. And then by 3 o'clock, another man showed up. And again, the instructor said, don't talk to the guy. So we got into his bicycle. And then he dropped us off at in the middle of nowhere, in dark, in like a farm area. So followed the third person. So... Um, we follow this guy. Now, we're in the middle of the rice field and the rice paddy. In In Vietnam, they divided the rice paddy by section, by the, by the square like this. And they, in the middle, they walk on top of mud. They build mm-hmm. mud on top of that. And, and this guy just walk on mud, slippery, like you walk on the ground. And I... I came from the city. I don't know how to walk on mud like this and I just, I kept falling off and fell off and then I look at my sister. We're about to, like, break in tears and we're like, we can't follow him and he was just, we're going to lose him. So we tried really hard. I mean, to the point like, I'm crying on the mud just to try to keep up with him and he turned around, looked at us, gave us a pathetic look, like, what are you two? Um, So we tried to follow him the best we could and um, we didn't want to be left behind mm-hmm. so he walked us all the way to the end of the rice field and we end up in the a river so we got on the boat with him and by that time it's we can see the daylight so he said he finally spoke with us and he said just stay low on the tiny small boat mm-hmm. I mean just enough space for three people and he said just lie down the just floor. like a rowboat or something right just just don't let people see you so he Got us on the other side of the river, and he dropped us off, and he took off. And ah. I stood there, and now we can see daylight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I look at my sister, and I said, what are we supposed to do? Right. We're going to stand here. People are going to see us. They're going to arrest us if we just keep standing here. So I said, let's go into the forest. So it's like the mountain. So he just dropped us at, at the bottom of the mountain. So I said, I told my sister, we need to climb up. Whatever, we need to go deeper in so people don't see us. And we go in for the end and I I was like, where are we going from here? There's no instruction. Right. So we decided we're going to climb up. Because if we stand down here, people, that's, then, you know, in the river, people start moving back and forth, they will see us. So um, we start climbing up the mountain. And we, we start hearing noise up there. So we come closer. We're like, I can hear noise. There's people up here. So I come closer Then I saw my two brothers. Oh my gosh. So they've been there the day before. Wow. So my parents, so their plan was, they didn't, they didn't want to send us all, all at, at one time. So there's two disappeared one time. So my brothers are up there with a whole bunch of people. They came from different part of the country. Um, so not all the city has the access to the water like mm-hmm. my hometown. My hometown is an ocean city, mm-hmm. so all the people from all the city came to us, and so they stay up there in the mountain. Wow! So I they they've been there for like a week, at least I just show up there just now. So that was daylight in the morning when I show up there. Then I said, now what? So we said we just sit and wait. We don't know what they don't tell us anything mm-hmm. because um, just in case. Somebody show up and address us. We don't have we don't have Im- any right. information to render. So we waited and waited and waited. I had heard rumbling outside of the cave and like the guy yelling at another person. He was like, "If you're scared, then don't go. But if you decided to go, then don't be scared now." And he would keep yelling at the woman. Oh. And I can hear the woman said, "I am so scared. I'm so scared. I don't want to go anymore. I'm so scared." And so the guy kept yelling at her, and she keeps saying that, and I and I started laughing with my sister, and then I listened some more, and I said, it sounds like mom. I was <laughs> like, mom, is that you? So she she heard my voice. She was so happy. So oh she went with my two younger sisters. So now there's six of us now. So she came in, and she said, oh, my God, this man is so rude. It was in so dark, and he was to keep yelling at me. And I said, mom, you should be okay. We, we're all here now. So... The guy dropped off my mom and my two sister, and he said, we're going to leave at midnight tonight, so like two hours from mm-hmm. now. At midnight, we got a signal from somebody came in and said, it's time to go down. So remember, we're on high up in the mountain, so now we have to go down to the water mm-hmm. level to catch a boat. So we all hurry up and went down, and it was so dark, but we got, everything was moved silently. Because we don't want to make any noise, we don't right. want to attract any attention. So we went down to the shore, and we can see a boat, small boat, out there. So it can't come any closer. Um, so they have the basket. The basket would fit about four people sitting tightly on the wow. bo- on the basket. So they to take transport out to you th- to the boat. Now the, I have to say that the culture in Vietnam is, as a woman, you have no place in society. Men is, I mean, men represented the family. Um, now, all of a sudden...
0: And you're without your father at this point. All of a
1: sudden, it's my mom mm-hmm. and six children. So all other families eventually got in a boat, except us. So my mom looked at, she's there with the six kids, and she looked at the four of us, the four older ones, she said, Jump in the water. Don't wait for them. They would leave us. Because if something happened, they would take off without us. So jump into the water and, and get out there. So four of us jumped into the water, and we, we swam out there. So they finally picked up my mom, and I were like, yelling, you got to pick up my mom. you got to pick up my mom. So um, they, they finally came in and, on the basket, picked up my mom and my two younger sisters. We all got in the boat. We took off. Wow. That's at midnight. And I don't remember much after that because very, very shortly we got on the boat and we got out there. We got hit by a big storm. Wow. And I, and I started to get seasick. So pretty much I passed out. We were, we were hit so hard by that, um, by that, the storm, the very first hours we got out there. They threw everything off the boat. Wow. Oh. So I remember having a small backpack with a pair of clothes and some dry food that my parents packed for us. We got nothing left; they threw wow. everything off the boat. So um, we spent six days and six nights on the boat, and um, finally, when you know when the seasick hit you for three days, after the third day, you feel.
0: I think used
1: it's gone. To it. yeah. yeah, so I feel better. So I'm starting climbing up, and um, to the upper deck and and see. So my my sister, one of my younger sisters, is really good about keeping us updated and keeping track of my mom and my sister mm-hmm. up there. So she would send message down there and said, you know, just let ask for Tram, which is my Vietnamese name, and and tell the people down there that you know my mom and the two of us are okay up here. So um, and then she would try to send some food down, but it's hardly anything to get to us. Yeah. So I remember six days and six nights, the most I had was the, you know the cap of the Coke bottle, that's a cap of water a day. Oh my goodness. Um, but then you know after a while, your body gets used to it, you don't feel hungry anymore. But uh, on the, I say toward the end of the trip, <laughs> call the trip, the escape, yeah. um, toward the end of the escape the owner of the the lead, the owner of the boat he's also the lead for this escape he called us on whatever possible that would fit on, on the deck just come up here and listen to him and I, I remember he stood in front of us and he said you know that I have very good intention to bring everybody on the boat to make the escape because my family is here with, with me too my family here with you so we all in it together.
0: Wow.
1: I'm sorry to report that we have enough oil and water for the next, I would say, he said, until 6 o'clock the next day. And as of today, we don't know where we're going. Wow. We are just drifting right now. And um, 6 o'clock the next day is the end for us. I am so sorry. Um, but you know that I put my family at risk, just, just everybody together. So what I'm asking you now is, whatever the region you're in, start praying. So in Vietnam, we have two main religions, mm-hmm. Catholicism and, and Buddhism. So we have both mm-hmm. on the boat. And so we start kneeling down, we start praying. But at that moment in time, um, I remember the water was so calm. There was, it was about 6 o'clock in the evening. It's just beautiful, very peaceful. Very, it's just The water was so calm, and you, when you look around, there's nothing but water. And huh. the blue sky, it was just so calm. At that moment, I wasn't scared, because I think mentally I had accepted the fact that when I escaped communism, that I'm willing to die. I'm not going to stay with them. I'm right. willing to die just to get the freedom. So when he said that, I just I just feel really sad, but I wasn't scared. But we all kneel out, and we start praying. People later on in my life asked me whether have I seen a miracle. Yes I have on that day. Because within half an hour when we start praying, we started praying, there's three big fish I mean they're huge I don't know what what kind they are they're really big there's (laughs) like three on each side of the boat and the the boat is like drifting straight Mm -hmm. ahead the fish somehow shift the boat like 45 degrees so now the question for us and we're all like screaming oh my god look at the fish where are they coming from they appear out of nowhere and they're shifting the boat so some people scream on the boat just hold on to the control don't let the boat shift and then some people said come on listen we just pray this is a miracle just let go just let go so just follow with whatever the boat shifted just just go with that so it shifted 45 degrees and just as quickly as they appeared they disappeared so now we make the decision I mean the leader made the decision to follow the new the new direction
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we just we, all of a sudden we don't know what we're facing now but we all have hope now because it seemed like somebody listened to our prayers so by um, I would say by midnight that night and I went back down to the, the lower at uh, the bottom of the boat and stayed down there still praying the whole time but um, feel very sad um, but I was calm and by midnight, somebody was screaming up in the up there, like, did you see that? We see light! We see light! Oh, my God, you can see all the motion, all the... You know, people were just so excited. Wow. There's a tiny light from a far, far distance. I don't know how that person saw it, but he saw it. So we came closer, uh, closer and closer and closer to that light. We got there, and... Um, we got the basket, remember the basket to transport mm-hmm. people. We didn't want to come too close to the light mm-hmm. because we didn't know what to expect there. and We didn't want people to be... You didn't know where you were. Right. Um, so there's the two men and the woman, the person who can speak English, actually my English teacher back in, in Vietnam, oh. she got on the boat and with two guys, and so they paddle over. It seemed like forever before they returned back, but they reported back that that's it. We found it. There was a floating um, station for a fishing company. It's a fishing oh. ship, but this is a floating uh, dock for them. And there's one guy on it, so he's actually calling the ship to report that there's refugee nearby. Wow! So the ship is coming back. There's a fishing, the Filipino fishing company that work for the American. Wow. Um, so
0: so you had made was, it to the Philippines then
1: yes we're in the Philippines yeah. so the, the water mm-hmm. but we're not, nowhere near the. we, we don't see any right. any land yet so by 4 o'clock it's like 4 hours later I saw like the entire city of light moving toward us I swear I, I felt like we're in heaven it's like Oh, my God, it's just so enormous. It's just lights coming toward us. And there was a fishing ship came because they got the signal that they huh. got refugees. Um, and so when they came, oh, my God, we were just so happy. But it's strange, going back to my comment earlier, in the in the Vietnam society, the Vietnamese society there, men comes first. So when this, the ship came, the order was we want all the women and children starting to get on the ship first. And that was the first time ever in my life that I were introduced to the concept of women and children first. Wow. There was no such thing. But the first time I heard that, we all got scared. It we was like, this is the pirates. Why would they want the women and the children? Why wouldn't they want the men? Men supposed to go first. Right. Right? Right. Um, but no, they insisted that the women and the children would get on the, on the ship first. So eventually we all got on the ship, it turned out to be really nice people, they are not pirates, and um, they are just fishermen. And they gave us clothes, and they, they shared with us their t-shirt, whatever wow. they can share. They cooked so much food for us, and they gave us, you know, clean clothes so we can shower and change. Wow. And, um, by daylight, by 6 o'clock, and I remember walking out to now now the real deck of a ship. I looked down, and they dragged the boat along. They have to go really slow now, because if they go any faster, they would break the boat. Wow. And they said, we cannot. By then, they said the instruction from the, the Philippines government is you are not supposed to rescue refugees anymore remember this is 1981 we are right. talking 1980 we're talking about. Um, so there's a lot of refugees. so everything the, all the nations are tired of picking up refugees now. so so they said but we cannot just leave you out there. We're going to help you but we have to take the boat. So eventually when we take you near an island, we' go, you guys going to get off the ship and get on the boat and you go in there yourself and don't mention us. So that's the instruction. But I remember by by daylight, um, that we remember just like 4 o'clock when they pick us up. In the morning, like 4, 5, 6, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, when I looked down my boat, the boat is like a dot in the water.
0: Wow.
1: I remember standing there, and I would just start crying. Well, like, how is it possible? How do I, Did we make that on the tiny boat? We did. It, it just overwhelming with, with the feelings for me. And I said, the price that we pay yeah. to get the freedom. Um, so they um, took us to an, an island, Tara Island in the Philippines. And they said, the refugee camp is there. So you are in good hands now. Just get get on the boat and go straight in there. You, mm-hmm. you would hit the island soon. And sure enough, we got on the boat. They gave us some magazine. They gave us some Filipino money. Uh, for what, I don't know, but they really, really kind. Wow. Um, and in return, the, the our culture is we always return favor. So my mom had like a, a, a gold ring on her hand, and other people have gold ring on their fingers mm-hmm. too. So my mom took off her ring and gave it to the leader from our boat, wow. and w- we all pitch in. And my mom said, give it to the captain and it's a way for us to thank him for being so kind to us. So wow. it, it was probably nothing to anybody, but that's all we had. Right. And I thought it was really, um, it just showed our appreciation and it, sh- it showed our culture.
0: We are going to stop here for now, but this is only part one of Christine's story. Join us in May in honor of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, for part two of our podcast, where Christine details her life in the refugee camp and how she felt when she learned she and her family would be going to America. GeoInteresting is produced by NGA's Office of Corporate Communications. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and never miss an episode of GeoInteresting by subscribing on iTunes and SoundCloud.